summoned through the dimension of sound. People explore the musical world, which they believe to be true. But there is a world, unheard by some, that is filled with stories of an unknown reality, a jazz side. Episode 10 of Tales from the Jazz Side is with drummer, arranger, educator, Faronak Lov. Now, my special guest today is a musician that I have known for a very long time, actually longer than anyone that I've had on the show so far. And I've always looked at, and still do, uh, look at Farone as a mentor. When I met him, I was still under the tutelage of Big Nick Nicholas, and the jazz scene was, at that time, altering significantly. And so I was at the tail end of the days in New York City when club owners really wouldn't hire a band unless they had a singer. So with that progressive change, along with the music, it became necessary for a singer to hire their own band. So... I started my own band, and um, I worked with some great musicians, great players at the time, and they were all out of Michigan. Uh, Brian Halpern uh, was on piano, Scott Butterfield on bass, and of course, Farone Aklaf on drums. You know, and at the time, working with this band, I had no idea what kind of impact uh, all of the things that I would learn working with these guys, uh, especially Farone. Now, some of the good things that came out of this transition um, I learned about the ins and outs of being a band leader from the music part, such as preparing your charts and everything, to the business side where, you know, you're booking your own gigs. And with the assistance of Farone, I also learned a new way to perceive and listen to music. I feel and always have, uh, Farone is an interpreter of the unknown. And last episode, I spoke of this concept of the creative person, a truly creative person, brings a little of the unknown to the known. And I feel that Farone is a perfect example of this. There's a face that we show the world, and there's a face that we show ourselves when we look in the mirror. And before you can be true to yourself, you first have to be honest with yourself. No lies. Instead, you step through the fear of what's hidden below the surface of the face that we show the world, and then from there, if we can do that, nothing stands in the way of the creative force, which of course I call love, to move and permeate everything in our lives. Farone is a dynamic creative energy. To me, he's a musical time traveler, traversing past, future, and presenting signals to guide us in the present. He is the beat of a different drummer. His mastery of the drums, the intonation and fluency of rhythms, and his originative precision is matched by the perfectly blending empathy and sympathy to the universe's principle to express to create. These cosmic voicings, these subtle pulses of interplanetary vibrations, well, they're heard only by one's true ears, and that, for me, has always been the heart. 
All musicians should be blessed as I am to have a mentor such as Faron, a candid soul who can convert what appears to us as limits into an impeccable examination of our human potential. Through his philanthropic work, he continues to inspire and mentor those around him, especially the young people, and his mission to give back prompted him to start his nonprofit organization, Seed Artists, Inc., and it was started back in 2006 in Brooklyn and is now located in Montclair, New Jersey. Last episode, I had a marvelous bassist, Sean Conley, on, and we talked briefly about the two of us performing in the upcoming Eric Dolphy Freedom of Sound event that's happening May 30th and 31st. There is so much to share about this extraordinary musician that cannot be covered in an hour show, and so I'll have to have him back to do another show. But, as Michael Franks would say, in the meantime, find out more about Faron Aklaf by visiting his website, www.pheeronaklaff.com, or his organization, Seed Artists, Inc., www.seedartists.org. Join me on Tales from the Jazz Side with my guest, Faron Aklaf. My guest today is jazz drummer, composer, Faron Aklaf. Hi, Faron. Hello, V. <laughs> Thank you for being a guest on Tales from the Jazz Side. Certainly. <laughs> okay, like now, where do we start? Um, you and I go way, way back, back in the day when... When <laughs> back in the day when I thought that you had the most distinctive voice and particularly regional accent. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I do. I do have a regional, <laughs> regional, and I still do at times. But um, well. You know, speaking of backgrounds and regional backgrounds, you know, like once again, I always do a lot of research uh, on the artists that I have on the show, and I always find that I discover things that I don't know anything about. Now, I've known you for a long time, and there were some things that I never knew about you. And, you know, what's interesting is how we selectively participate in someone else's life when we're young, you know, the things that we pick up and the things that we don't. Now, um, you grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Right. That's still a safe thing to, <laughs> to, uh, to have researched. And Wait. What? Okay. And you uh, have a younger brother and an older brother, mm -hmm. right? And yep. four sisters, right? right? And um, besides your older brother, Eric, who is classically a uh, classical pianist, mm -hmm. right? Was anybody else in your family um, play instruments? Well, we had lessons. We all had lessons from time to time but no one continued to play their instruments past you know perhaps middle school uh and i really had no idea i was going to play for for real so to speak um i was not in a position of thinking that I would have a chance in music performance. <laughs> really? Now, yeah. was it? Did you always start with drums, or was? Yeah. It well, yeah. It started off a little oddly because 
my first app, <laughs> my first application, my first application to the middle school teacher was to play trumpet. But they didn't have they did, they were crowded that you, you, this is when you could get you know either music or art lessons. Uh, they were cr- too crowded for music, so he said, "Well, why don't you take art this year, and then I mean this semester, and then next semester come back, we'll we'll, we'll put you in." So then I come back, so I'd written down trumpet because my father would always listen to Clifford Brown, Max Roach. Uh, studying Brown, I grew up with that. Uh, like in my, you know, I mean, they, rec- they you figure they recorded this thing uh, two months after I was born. Yeah, they recorded Studying Brown, or a month or so after I was born. My father probably bought it <laughs> that spring, you know. So I've been listening to it that long. Wow. <laughs> um, and. Uh, so I had trumpet written on my little scorecard and the guy himself was a trumpet player, uh, um, middle school teacher, uh, Mr. Schultze, Mr. Schultze. So I, you know, I I go to art and the art teacher is nuts, bonafide nuts. (laughs) I'll tell you how nuts she was. Everyone would think of artists as being a little nuts anyway when we were kids, right? right? We all knew Ooh, the artist people, they're a little nuts. Right. I'll never forget, this woman was such, she her, she was on nerves in every moment dealing with these little kids and trying to get them to understand <laughs> art. It was the, She was the most unusually manic person to watch. And one day, one student said to her uh, that they didn't have a lunch. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, you don't have a lunch? She said, well, here, let's, you, let's split this apple. And she took a Washington Delicious apple and split it in her hat in half, just oh, like this. With her hands? Like a mar- with her two oh. hands. Like a martial artist. And we, we, we all looked around and said, oh, no. Who are we in the hands of? You know? <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, so wow. this is a unique lady. So, needless to say, I didn't want to take art. <laughs> I was early in the music application line. So, wow. So, so anyway, so that next semester, I get to Mr. Schultz early, and he says, and he says, Maddox, are you Eric's brother? And I said, yeah. He says, well, why didn't you tell me that last semester? What are you? Oh, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so, yeah. so I'm thinking, oh, wow. I, I should have used my big brother's geniuses <laughs> like a, a wedge to, to get pushed in the front of the line for music. Wow. Well, of course, he would know. You come from a music family. You'll, you'll excel. You'll be exactly. able to do this. You'll, you yeah. know, you'll, you'll get Some a... form of discipline in there. Yeah, you'll, yeah. You'll, you're genuinely excited and yeah, inspired yeah. to do this. So, so anyway, so that year I switched my scorecard to drums. Oh, oh, so I wanted to study drums. So, okay. you know, fortunately, the guy took a liking to us, you know, because middle school band experiences and high school band experiences are not always joyous. No. Well, this guy was really joyous. Okay. And he took, he had us play because my friend Arturo broke his wrist 
he was the number one drummer, but he broke his wrist. Oh, what? How did he break his wrist? I don't know, as kids do. Well, how, how old were you guys? I didn't middle school. I mean, junior high school. What, what, like, what is that? 12? 14, 13, 13 around there. Okay, okay. Something like that. Uh, so. so I got a chance to play the drum solo <laughs> yeah. on cute. Uh, really? Yes. Wow. So we played cute as in our junior right, high. So that school. was your first like that was, on the stage that kind was, of thing yeah, where was not, that was it. Uh, did you have the whole kit or did you just have No, like, we snare? made up a drum set. He <laughs> found a he found a foot pedal. Yeah, really. You know, and and we hung the cymbal from somewhere. <laughs> we didn't have a hi hat. You know, we hung all we put all the tom toms on s- snare stand. You know, so we we were making up a set up, like yeah. just like it's nineteen eleven, <laughs> just like <laughs> just like Baby Dodds before and, it was and, even and <laughs> before anybody de- de- defined configurations yeah, for it. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. Oh yeah. So now. Um, one of the another thing that I noticed uh, when I was looking at your scattered biography all over, you know, there are different places, was that you studied speech and drama in college, and I thought that that was really interesting. Um, but, but that's that's like kind of a let's say a relative study. A relative study. Well, you yeah. know what I got. Well, well, no, but you know the thing is, is when I actually thought about that, mm-hmm. and it really clarified for me. Um, you know, I've always found that your playing was um, in the realm, not just exclusively in the realm of like tone and frequency, mm-hmm. but that it had a kind of a totality. You know, that mm-hmm. enveloped this whole sound and vibration, and right. it's something that you find in. Um, when you go to a theater mm-hmm. and you see a great theater piece, right. it has a, a, a really truly defined story. And I, you know, I'm always talking to people about you know telling their stories when they're playing music and you mm-hmm. know yada yada yada. But um, there is kind of generally telling a story, and then there's that really honing in, um, you know. So it's just c- crystal clear, and mm-hmm. that's what I I feel when I hear you play. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's so um, exact and it's full of all of these different colors and it's just brilliant. I remember the first time I heard you play, uh, well, first of all, I thought, oh my God, you know, he has um, just two hands, but it, <laughs> it sounded like Sounds you like had uh, like 900 arms yeah, and hands. Yeah, yeah, we're going into <laughs> the mythic uh, levels, but yeah, I, I... You know, I I have to take credit <clears throat> for uh, being a little tricky with my words. Um, in school, I didn't study speech and drama. I studied whatever I thought I was gonna be doing that day. <laughs> oh, and okay. you know, and so, but it turns out. What do you mean? What it turns out, first of all, I the only reason I tell people that is just they they know that they actually let me in. Okay. You know, <laughs> you know, okay. uh, but believe me, there was no studying going on <laughs> of any major. Um, the one thing that I did do is I jammed with my roommate who. A painter who played keyboards, okay. and we would jam in the room, and 
of course, I discovered lots of libraries of particularly world music, you okay, know, okay. Um, mu music from all around the world. Um, and then I got drafted into playing into a semi-professional or, or maybe professional even band, a couple of them, and that was really all I was interested in doing. I was almost like the college athlete, you know, it's like, I didn't go to class. The only class I went, <laughs> the only class, the only I class I really, I mean, the only class I went to in in my right mind, let's say, <laughs> was a, a comparative political analysis. And why? Why was that? Why that? Well, I know you because but why of general. You? you know, of course, I was. Uh, I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. You know, uh, one of the um, babies of that era that. Really, uh, you figure nineteen early nineteen seventies. You know, we were listening to people like Nikki Giovanni, for yes, example, who I true. just heard on the radio the other day. Mm. Um, and you did some stuff with Amira Baraka, right? That's, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. My my work and my path has always been adorned with social concerns human rights and justice works and and it comes up in the most unusual ways yeah um and one of the things that i realized about performance was that when it is well directed mm -hmm. then there's a number of inexplicable and extremely applicable events that are triggered in our minds and in our hearts and and the synapse that turns us into little newer beings yeah. uh, and in order to use all of the space mm -hmm. and even the space that we cannot immediately conceive of uh, it's important to ask for that humility on a continual basis so that when you are on the bandstand it is not just the bandstand mm. anymore you mm -hmm. know it, it really is a place of sacred work mm. and so that that is not you know that really means you have to take the you know garb off yeah and and get to work right right Drop and the ego get rid of that and, mm, and just be open yeah completely open yeah for what, yeah mm. and and that is what i've learned that may be close to what uh people do in theatrical works and is also um something that the drum lends itself to anyway it's such a dramatic instrument yeah <laughs> it is you know i mean they always it's like that's why i was curious as to you know of course trumpet to start but what kind of what was it about the drums that made you want to to do well to what happened was it was not just the drums it was rhythm because what the drums reminded me of the rhythmic you uh universe right, right, right. that I experience from vision, from memory, mm -hmm. from 
from olfactory senses, from symbolism, okay. from all kinds of ways in which either glyph or gesture communicates something that says either, hey, uh, there's no difference between you and I. Right, right. <laughs> uh, we, how s close is it, our oneness, that we are, how did we get, what is the significance of our appearing to be separate entities from all this that is whole? Mm -hmm. You know, little, little messages that allow us to think in those terms have a funny way of coming up after hearing drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, especially if you're having drums served, you know, in the style with Ma, mm -hmm. you know, where there is that interpretive space. And, um, yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Because it does, it, 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 it comes back to that whole thing that I always feel uh, uh, organic. You know, uh, organic, the spontaneity can only come about through um, the willingness to be vulnerable, the willingness to be open and to allow ourselves to connect. I think the power of a real performance or when you hear people play isn't what each individual is playing technically, but it's that willingness to trust the person that you're playing with on stage, you know, and mm -hmm. to allow yourself to be vulnerable. And it's sort of like when those people you think of that, um, uh, you know, where you just fall back and then everybody, <laughs> people oh, yeah, are supposed oh, to be yeah. there to catch, catch you. you. Yeah. Well, that's why, that's why the, the people that I'm most vulnerable to are certainly sitting right there in the audience. And yes. they're you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so therefore I I I intend on lassoing them immediately. <laughs> right, right, to keep you from because <laughs> <laughs> who knows what they might take us into. That's true. So, That's true. So yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, um, I interviewed uh, and, and th this uh, gentleman, this bassist is going to be on. Uh, the show in this month too because I'm going to do two shows this month um, Sean Conley I mm -hmm. interviewed him last week and um, he and I are going to be playing together um, at an upcoming Eric Dolphy Freedom of Sound uh, celebration of two days on May 30th and 31st in Montclair, New Jersey now this is to me a, an extraordinary event and it is produced by an organization called Seed Artist Inc. Okay, um, and you are the founder of Seed Artist Inc. And I'd love for you to tell uh, tell us about the organization because it it, it actually does uh, represent its mission is around kind of what you were talking about this oneness and and um, and being political as well. So can you tell us about about that? Well. Seed Artists comes out of being a community gardener and watching as my daughter grew up uh, a number of young people that not only did not have the same opportunities that she had, but 
were cut off from significant things that could instill a kind of hope and strength in them, which are cultural, uh, both in terms of the people they see in their environment and what they're doing in leadership positions. Like, for example, uh, I'd worked together with Lyndon Achi, a uh, uh, pan player from Brooklyn and educator, you know, going to help young people in Caribbean ensemble or, or you know, leading these kinds of events where young people have a chance to interact with adults and the public, and they learn how to do that. They mm -hmm. learn how to rehearse. They learn how to go in somewhere on a performance and how to, you know, dress and how to, mm -hmm. you know deal with each other in a pleasant way on the trip and back and you know there was that then there was the other group of young people that I felt it'd be good for them because they were uh, little red Elizabeth Irwin uh, high school and families have always been encouraging uh, us through their work with charities and we had an opportunity because I was an interim chorus conductor uh. <laughs> to go oh, really? and yeah yeah <laughs> go and sing at a hospice and a, a nursing home and so this 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 was a thing where I was putting them in a position of looking at difficult things in life mm -hmm. and so they're getting there their bit of education and then the people in the hospice are getting this great yeah, experience yeah, of these kids yeah. singing you know yeah. so it was an it was an e, uh, easy match right. you know arts and seniors and multi and multi-generational activities so between those things and the having a the, the jazz in the community garden that we call the jazz tea <laughs> um <laughs> Those kinds of things, and getting and getting our one little starter grant from LREI, and not really, you know, getting much more. We had we applied for a grant here or there, but uh, we weren't really right, robust right. with our activities. We we really just thought, and I think, and then another time I put on a concert series at, okay. a, ga at a gallery on Bond Street, uh, Campo Gallery, uh, you know, in which case. I brought together a lot of different performers from different parts of the world. So this is kind of the internationalism that we like to have represented in this educational forum. So I presented, you know, people from different places in the world at the, at the Campo Gallery. So that was it. We were always doing small things. Yeah. And um, so this is a very large yes. thing. <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, I'll mention I, I just joined the board, too, Seed Artists. So. We are so, so <laughs> we are, fortunate. We are, I'm, invested, I'm invested in this as we well. We are so fortunate to be in this period where we can collide with such glee and <laughs> such, uh, you know, great experiences that we'll eventually catch up. <laughs> with each other on and uh, but most of all to churn 
uh, in the way of bringing art to our public and to bring many generations together. I think that's an important thing for the United States social fabric is to get more of these intergenerational activities yeah. as a natural way to, you know, uh, take care of ourselves. Yeah, that's let's true. Say, you know. And so now this Eric Dolphy, um, Freedom of Sound. Now, what? Um, tell us something about that. I know it's happening on May 30th and 31st and um, well, the most important thing about that is w in bringing up a 50th anniversary, you fall in line with everyone else who does these 50th anniversary <laughs> things. Yeah. And it would, w by falling in line, you think, oh, it should be big. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 50 should be big. But it is the 50th year of something that is a telling moment, a teaching moment in our society because it's the day in which Dolphy's death in Berlin represented yet again uh, a black man looking like he's worthless to a doctor in a society where they certainly were not interested in helping him yeah. in the first place, right, right. possibly. And at least at that time, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's very different today, but sort of. But yeah, right. <laughs> you, know. you know. But yeah. Well, there there's some very interesting things about the the criminalization figure and subconscious message. How all of us get Willie Hortonized, <laughs> you know, like in in a, in a second. We by now we forget about it, right, you know. We forget right. about it. then when it comes up, then we end up some crazy stuff happens. Like what? Uh huh. And he said, "Yep, yeah. ain't nothing changed, <laughs> right. you know, you know that kind of thing, you know." So we're trying to be in a in a in a proactive, if that is not a superfluous uh, statement. Oh, that's the uh, ringtone uh, on his phone, just in case you guys were wondering what that is. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, we record this straight through. You know that, right? I know, There's I no know. edits. <laughs> I know. That was my brain tickling. That was <laughs> so it, my brain was telling me, stop telling all those stories. You know, no, you no, know, that's you why you're here, is to tell those stories. Is it? That's really interesting uh, about Dolphy um, in, in, he was in a hospital. What Actually, what was the story? Well, to be honest, I am not the one to give you all the details. Or where can we find all the details? All the details, <clears throat> if you go to our website, seedartist.org, okay. you will get so much information on Eric Dolphy and mostly the good stuff. Okay. <laughs> but... Um, but th in fact, there's it's all good stuff. It's almost like you know, uh, this was almost like a sacrificial act of of uh, of scriptural uh, significance. <laughs> you know, when you think about it, because right. everybody has such great things to say about him as a person. He was an angelic person, and then all of a sudden, bam! The creator takes him just like an angel. Right. Of, of of youth at their peak, you know, and, uh, you know, so we have all this celebratory activity behind him, 
and so that he can live. People talk about Bird Lives. This is Eric Lives because we're discovering new music. We're discovering that hasn't been played. Just the lineage of how much respect he got from the, 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 the foremost of the African-American classical composers, Hale Smith, was bequeathed his music. And after that, um, Hale Smith and James Newton must have had a very significant musical understanding. Um, and it's not surprising because I know James. Right. Yeah, so it's gonna and I played some of Hale Smith's music. Wow. And it was wonderful for me to hear that James was now the recipient of this music from mm-hmm. Hale. Yeah, because you you are. I mean, they kind of consider you uh, in, uh, and I had mentioned in the, uh, with uh, Sean's interview, who's actually on one of your CDs, right? Sean plays. No, on I'm on Sean's CD. Because the other way around. I'll, I'll, ne- I'll never forget that CD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you guys are in this kind of you know uh, post jazz, free jazz, avant garde jazz. Um, you know, as people uh, uh, coin that phrase, which I don't particularly care for categorizing it because I feel the music has to live and breathe and, and evolve and mm-hmm. whatever it evolves, that's what it is. But um, um, you, so basically, you, uh, I know that with this Dolphy that you're, uh, um, you're going to be uh, performing on Saturday, right, with the... Uh, I'm not so sure that I'm performing. Really? You're not going to play? I'm. It, this is so much work. Oh man! I well, don't you know. You have to play with me at least. When All right. <laughs> well, sneak pre- preview of the program. I thought that I would do a duo with Andrew Surreal, oh, just wow. as a drum opening because I wrote a piece for a guy in my neighborhood, but I haven't seen him lately. Oh, so, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta look for him now, um, but. So he can know that I, I wrote a piece for him. <laughs> right. Maybe he can sit in, you know. Um, but yeah, he's a, a percussionist, uh, and so we. I thought we'd have a drum introduction, um, and then on the program would be an arrangement of Hale Smith's music written for Dolphy. He oh. Hale Smith had music that he had written for Dolphy. Oh, okay. Which which I didn't know anything about that, but oh. I just found it and uh, it was sent to me. And uh, so Chris, Dr. Chris White from mm-hmm. Montclair okay. is going to play, uh, 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 is going to arrange this music for some of the players from oh, wow. a, a, around here. And from, uh, yep. So, wow. so. So you might play, you may not play. Oh yeah, I gotta play something. I gotta <laughs> you play. Gotta, man. I gotta <laughs> play something. Actually, you know what? I think I'm. I think he asked me to play percussion on that. Oh okay. Just right. I think he did. And then is that gonna be the first night or the second night? Because that's I'm first playing night. the first night, I believe. So that's I might ask night. you to do some. Okay, I'll be there. Stuff. I'll be there. I might be playing all night. <laughs> you know. Okay. So besides mm-hmm. this, which is amazing, and everybody can go to Seed Artist and. Um, check out all the information uh, on this incredible event that's coming up. But is there something that you are specifically working on, a new record or? um... Well, yeah. 
I'm working on a new me. <laughs> We're always working on new me's, man. It's like it's man, like we, we pull back the one. Me, the me, the me that was last around is <laughs> has had it. <laughs> All right, well, the me that's here right now with mm -hmm. me. <laughs> um, you ready to walk down into the basement with me? Oh, okay, yeah. Really? Yeah, I didn't it's know time we, for the basement. I didn't know we were going to do that part. Oh, we're going to do okay. that part. Okay. So now, first question. Mm -hmm. Tell us about someone that you have worked with who was a little frightening to you, but in a good way. Oh. Uh, let's see. Well, probably the the person that I've worked with that was frightening, but in a good way. The first one that comes to mind is Tom Pearson. Okay. Because Tom Pearson, great musician as he is. It's quite squeak scary guy. <laughs> really? Really? Like how? <laughs> well, were you young when you were working with him? Oh no, was I wasn't young. I wasn't young, which which I could understand if I was young, but I wasn't young. <laughs> but you know, Tom would come on the bandstand to lead his big band, and he would give the audience a lecture. And say he, he he would give them a mini lecture, starting off with the title, subtitled often, "Violence is not entertainment." Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> well, why? Why? I mean, because he used to score films in L.A. Oh. And he just got so turned off. Wow. He just. Evidently, he just, just he, yeah, he just, <laughs> just dropped his pencil in the middle of a session. So you know, by the time he got to New York, that was it. That was. <laughs> so you, you, after after that, you say that in Hollywood, man, you can forget it. It's like he's like, no, I'm not, no, no more of this crap when people get killed, you know. <laughs> Wow, that must have so, been out. Yeah, well, just like his music was. Well, if you were in the room, <laughs> if you were in the room with some of his music, you'd be saying, "Oh, man, you you would either be laughing or screaming or running out of the room or whatever." But but no, it was it was wonderful. Plus, he would you know, it's extremely intimidating. Now here's a guy who who did um, you know he had all this unusual music and then. He'd have us just go like for in the in the Gil Evans style where oh, like yeah, you yeah, know yeah, you yeah. play all this really difficult stuff and then the rhythm section just takes off with somebody soloing <laughs> and this can go on for a while. <laughs> then right, you got to right. come back to these this okay now we're coming you know and yeah it was it was a lot of work it was he talked me into doing it I told him oh no no I can't I can't do that I can't do but right. you know but he you know. I'm so glad that he did yeah. because I mean his level of intense concentration was just beyond beyond in, in you know uh and and it wasn't just his concentration his music or not but he had c 
put together 18 incredibly great musicians. So this is, yeah. wow. whoa, wow, right. you and know, s- yeah. So, real. so yeah. Extremely so, organic spontaneity. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> in addition to then playing all that music that's, uh, yeah, that's off the horns and, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. and intense like he was and, <laughs> you know, so that was, that was intimidating in a good way. Scary in a good way. Okay, so now, um, second question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the scariest work in any medium, like a painting, a photograph, a book, a movie, you know, TV, radio show, whatever, mm-hmm. that you've encountered, you know, that kind of scares you? Like some people have, uh, you know, uh, um, someone was saying, I'm trying to remember, uh, uh, Forget somebody was talking about one of these movies scared the hell out of them, mm-hmm. and they don't know why. It just scared them, you know. So, mm-hmm. is there a book? A any? What is it in your medium that that? Or it may not well, be. You might not have anything. Well, some people aren't afraid of. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm really the kind of person that when a ghost comes in the room, I say, "What? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want?" <laughs> okay, just ask me later. You know. You know. I. It's not that I don't have my most of my fears are based on reality. Oh, really? You know, so you're not, like, there's not like a have, scary book that just you know because well, I mean, like there are a lot of there's a weird lot of weird things like you know, of mice and men is a little oh, creepy. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a little yeah, creepy. That's, that's like if you there's certain things you don't want to think about again. Right, you right. know, and and because my mind is so impressionable. <laughs> I don't go to Hollywood. I, I really? boycott Hollywood. Really? Oh, yeah. I, Hollywood has put more degrading images for the self-conscious mind, subconscious mind than any other, you know, institution. And though we, you know, kind of revere those those glamorous, you know, shootings with the camera, you know, the, I, I really like to keep my imagination, you know, fervent with the kind of imagery that I want to see occur in the future. So that's why, you know, all those weird old things. I mean, I saw Chinatown the other day. The reason that I didn't remember what happened in yeah. Chinatown? <laughs> yeah. I was probably in shock because uh-huh. I saw Chinatown and um, Taxi Driver oh, yeah. at the same time. Yeah, well, those are like And I fainted in my <laughs> date's lap. No way. I fell over in her lap. Really? I, I, not, I didn't go out cold, but I almost <laughs> went almost went out cold. I was well, those I was like very limp. violent type. Yeah, of, you know, oh, yeah. I was, I was thinking of more like, you know, Stephen King's It or... You know, because I love horror movies. I love oh. like Stephen King. I love uh, Twilight Zone when they have the marathon going. I love to watch. Well, see, those. yeah, see, no, and, I see. Like, I know, ghosts. I don't really. Care I'm not about big. Vampire movies, I'm not but. big on on any of those scary things. No, <laughs> my my scare. I got yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> scary things to me. I I just think that um, you know the scary thing. I've had too many real scary things. Right. So I don't add anymore. Okay. Okay. You know, like, you know, 
don't know. I one day I think they'll get it together um with this whole thing about um uh film and what it's best used for. I when when I saw the Almond Brothers in 1973, they had a video. They had, which was a projection screen of animation, mm-hmm. and the animated work. Maybe it was because of the hallucinogenic atmosphere, but well, yeah, that. Could but be. the the but but the 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 animated work went with the music. Oh, okay. And I thought. After that, I thought, oh, w- once they, once they, we have videos or or music videos, they will be like this. They will yeah, all be yeah, like yeah. educative tools right. to more appreciate the music that's being played. Yeah. And then we get fast <laughs> forward to 1989, and you got grinding and yeah, skivvies on or whatever that you know. You know, that's that just because we get no left. Yeah, well, I guess so. Because so, you remember the twist was like, you know, oh my God, they're doing the twist. <laughs> the most vile, you know, you know, provocative, you know. If you did twist as a girl and I was growing up, you were like, you know, not a good girl, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, okay, well, so you don't, you don't, you know, there's more of real life that has a, 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 a scary aspect to you. Um, for you, but okay. Let's when I'm in it. Austria in a small town and I and I I'm drinking schnapps, yeah, and and snorting snuff, yeah. and and go up to the upstairs to use the bathroom right. and I see guys in their old Nazi uniforms. It's like, damn man, now how do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I come now back downstairs <laughs> and I come and say, say go, oh, okay man, now where were we? <laughs> Well, yeah, you know that's a difference. That is, that's the real terror. You know, the other yeah. is like the fake terror. Well, that's the but that well, the deep part about it is that you know, oh yeah, the love that I experience in these situations, and then I go back and I go flash back in time, wow. and it's like it was a completely different world Absolutely. then. Absolutely, you know, oh, and yeah. so it's because I believe me, I have. In fact, my first my first published paper was done in Austria. Um, yeah, with my well, my only published paper was done in <laughs> Austria on a mountain mm-hmm. with a priest who was an ascetic. You know, he's like an ascetic priest living yeah, on a mountain, right. and um, we went up there and we did a read. We did a. I did a reading, which was just a discussion. Okay. Because uh, it was on, it was a conference on art and spirituality. Okay, yeah, that's what. So I then, so then the um, the an author, uh, a, a real author, right. read from his book, <laughs> and then I read, you know, from my paper on where I thought jazz fit in spirituality. Oh really? And what what what? It was all tongue in cheek. It was not really? serious at really? all. Really? It was. It was. But what? But the one that got the last laugh was nature because uh, a friend of mine says, "Oh, you should play when you go do your talk." I'm thinking, mm-hmm. "Okay, well, maybe I hadn't thought about that, but okay." Uh-huh. So I get there and I ask Peter. I said, well, "Should I? Should we? Um, 
Should I play tomorrow? At these? So you can play if you want to. We just have to go get the drums before we go to the place, right? Right. right. Well, so we went. Next day we go. We get the drums, uh-huh. and then we get to the place. But the place is the bottom of a mountain that we are about to summit oh. to do our conference. Wow. So that means I'm thinking, oh, shit, oh, I have to pass out all kinds of drums to everybody to carry up this mountain. This, is, this was crazy. And I'm looking at so I see a woman. I give her a little tiny piece Something of it. Oh, I completely forgot we were oh, doing it on the top God. of the mountain. So, or, yeah, so not top of mountain, but, but yeah, way up in the mountain. Yeah, yeah. So we get, we get, you know, I'd say after we go on about 30 minutes, right. <laughs> and we get altitude. to this plateau, get this plateau <laughs> and, um, you know, I see this like kind of restaurant or something. Uh-huh. And, um, next thing you know, there's, you know, a, like a door or something. I'm saying, I'm saying, oh, I'm saying, oh, wow, I guess we're here. And I say, oh, wow, great. I'm glad we made it. And one guy says, no, 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 no. We're only halfway. <laughs> so then I see Rudy with the bass drum. And I said, Rudy, give me the bass drum. Good Rudy's 6'5 and 190 pounds. But I said, no, let me take the bass drum. So I put the bass drum on my head. Mm-hmm. And, and we guys- went on up to the top of the mountain. And you guys played up there. Uh, only me, just just drums. Oh, but they I was had, the had, oh, you had them carrying. So that's what I was so. I felt so bad. It was just so you know. I had to play my buns oh, off. Oh well, yeah, you have to make up. I, I was you like Max said, I had to play that. my fanny off. Of you got people carrying other stuff up and down and the mountain. <laughs> oh my. Well, goodness. you know, this is a great segue into the third question, which is, um, what is the scariest thing that ever happened to you while performing live? The scariest thing while performing live. Uh, Well, usually the scariest thing, which may occur every four or five years, (laughs) is when a piece of equipment breaks at a key moment in a very particular situation. Um, scariest performance, scary, because believe me, I'm sure there's been some <laughs> scary things. You know, like while you're in, you're just in the middle of playing and... Well, I can, you know, I can tell you one thing that I can think of that occurred and that was a brainstorm after I had already told the people, you know what, this is a strange place to have a jazz festival <laughs> with n- and with no tent on a day that it might rain. And it was, it was the sun was out. It was perfect. As soon as we started playing, it started pouring rain. Of course, no place to put all the equipment. Oh, my God. And did you have electrical stuff like? The only electrical like of everything. There's oh. all that stuff. Everything got wet. You know, and my drums, I brought my A drum set, <laughs> which was a mistake. And the people felt so bad, they sent me a check. Oh, wow. Because I asked for it, right. but they sent but me. Yeah. 
I said, look, you got it. You must have had some kind of, you would have to have had an insurance claim for this disaster. But, yeah. But I had to leave the door to my car open while I put the drums in without even breaking them down or putting them in cases. I just had to throw them in So what happened was you were playing and it started pouring. Mm -hmm. And then you just kind of grabbed your drums and stuff and started putting it in the car. What was going through your head? What were you thinking like? I should have never brought this. this exactly. Kid, right? That's what I should have never brought this drum set because I should have known that, you know, I mean, I had plenty of drum sets to bring. I'm bringing my nice, brand new. No way. It's really, really crazy. That's a little scary. Well, one of the scariest things that I, I always remember it was just plain nervousness. Yes. Yeah. Plain nervousness. Has happened to me like the first time I played the imp- the f- <laughs> first time I played the foxhole in Philadelphia. It was probably 1979. I was probably 20 something. So, um, you know, I was super nervous. And then mm-hmm. and then I, the only thing I could think of is to just say that okay. Realistically, you know, if you think about it, the way the Egyptians used to talk about the artists are really just the vehicles for the expression of the creator, then you're not really doing anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you screw up. It really isn't right. you. <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. So then I said, okay, then, then I can do that's That's fine. So that from then on, I didn't, I didn't have stage fright. Wow, that's great. Well, yeah. you know, you're kind of protected too, behind. You know, you've got the, you know, you've got. I'm that very focus. protected. So, you know, you there <laughs> are d- there are times when I can be I have embarrassed myself <laughs> because people were talking, uh-huh. and I'm I'm so protected, and I have all these things uh-huh. that I can throw, <laughs> and I can you know threaten people with. It's th- it's not not always a pretty picture that me. You know, but um, those are the old days. I don't do that. Yeah, anymore. no, you don't seem that way now anymore. Mm-hmm. You didn't seem that way when I knew you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was... You know, That's because you always had me around nice people. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, we did play with some really nice people, some uh, interesting interesting groups, but interesting names for groups, you know, like... Um, remember when we called ourselves the Monotonous? <laughs> <laughs> The mnemonics. <laughs> no one could pronounce it. <laughs> they could just spell it. And then we also had uh, the Billy Wilson. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And we would introduce. I would introduce everybody in the band, but there was nobody named Billy Wilson. Mm-hmm. So, so somebody inevitably mm-hmm. would always go, "Well, where's Billy Wilson?" <laughs> you know. So that, uh, we had a sense of humor back then, you know. Or now, I don't know if people still have that. But uh, anyway, you have been a great guest. But I want to tell some more scary stories. You want to tell some more scary stories? <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I have. I have to admit. The scariest story uh-huh. is the one I didn't really want to tell you. Oh well, tell us. Tell us. Because this um, is what this is about. This is a show. But about the people in Chicago in 2012, um, they certainly got a nice experience. <laughs> well, I had just come back from Japan, 
had jet lag. Uh-huh. Then I flew to Chicago. It was September. So in Chicago, it's still kind of cold. So I was wearing wool pants, wool shirt. Okay. And I thought, well, maybe I'll go eat something and take a nap. Okay. That would have been a good idea. Of course, I didn't do that. I turned on a baseball game and I ironed my clothes. <laughs> then the singer said, well, let's go eat earlier. So I get downstairs. She's not there. I'm waiting around. Oh, okay, well. Um, then I said, okay, we just, we're going to miss that. We just go eat with the band. We go eat with the band. The band's going to eat after sound check. Okay, we do the sound check. Uh, <laughs> then the band goes to eat. Then the, the restaurant says, oh, no, there's too many people. He's like, what are you kidding? <laughs> this is the band. No, we can't. It's people are crazy. So we had to go across town to get something to eat and rush the food down, come back, hit the bandstand, boom. Uh-huh. And I didn't change into my nice cotton clothes that I had ironed. <laughs> Because I was thinking, well, you know, this is, it might be a little cold out there on a bandstand, and, you know. This was outdoors? This is an outdoors no, it's indoors, indoors in a big, huge, old building in the University of Chicago. Oh, okay. Which I found out, people, it, it is known for being hot, oh. which I didn't know. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm there with my wool, wool clothes. Wool. <laughs> oh, and not to mention, the hotel had a pool, a very nice pool. So I swam a few lengths. I swam and had a short sauna. Okay, and so, then put your wool stuff back and on. And then put my wool stuff back on and then, and then go and do all the stuff. And I realize, but I don't realize until it's the last tune. The last tune, my body is saying, you know what? <laughs> You ate that food too fast, and it's all sitting up here. Now you spent, expended all of this energy. You had me working like mad, trying to digest this food, <laughs> and you haven't slept in 22 hours. <laughs> well, and now, and I said, and I said to myself, "Well, I feel terrible, but." This is the last tune. Right. Right. So I counted the tune off. Next thing you know, the saxophone player and the bass player were picking me up off the floor. No. Yes. Really? Yes. What did what happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what do you think happened? You just passed out. I passed out. <laughs> you were so hot. You just passed out. Yeah. Up. Wow. Yeah, so how many so people were in the- <laughs> there? Were there was a piano player? There was I mean, like in the, in the audience, audience? Yeah, oh, yeah, there was probably two thousand people there. <laughs> there was probably, so, 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 and they're always saying, "Are you all right, man?" You well, know what I mean? well, that's the thing. But no, the the craziest part is not the fact that it, I'm sure what they saw was spectacular, but right. but. When I go back over and I think about it, the bass player continued to play <laughs> while picking me up. The saxophone player goes, puts his horn down, runs over to me, uh-huh. you know, and so the two of them are picking me up. And, and they said that I was saying, the jet lag got me, the jet lag got me. 
so, so, uh, so anyway, I they, so they take me backstage. Oh wow! And the piano player is still playing. Yes, of course. And the yeah, bass player is still playing. <laughs> and then the saxophone player goes and sits on the drums. Because the singer is out in the audience because it's the last tune. So oh. she's doing the thing of going out and singing to the oh audience because she, she has a cordless mic. She had no idea. <laughs> she had no idea what was going on on the stage. And so, <laughs> so, so anyway, the, uh, so I see a stagehand. No, no, the producer comes to me and says, <laughs> And they lie me down on the floor. And now the air is cool right, down right, there. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah. Heat so, rises. Yeah, right. So the producer says, do you want me to call an ambulance? I said, no, 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 no. Just get my cotton clothes from the dressing room. So, so she has to go stage left, stage right, uh -huh. downstairs, uh -huh. and then back to stage left to the dressing room. Okay. To get my clothes. Uh -huh. So I'm lying there on the floor and I take off all my clothes. <laughs> I'm getting ready for this change, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> and so I see a stagehand over there. I said, tell him, man, tell him don't stop playing. Tell him to continue. I'm coming back. <laughs> right. And he looks at me like, man, are you kidding me? You just, I can't believe you. What do you think I'm supposed to do? Go talk to them? And then plus, look at you. You on the floor. Are you what are you? So then the producer comes back with the wrong clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so she, I'm like, no, no, the ones in the hang-up bag. No, 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 I spent all this time ironing these clothes and putting them in a nice hang-up bag. And she comes back with some wrong. old raggedy jeans and T-shirt. I'm like, so she, so she goes, runs off to get the clothes, the right clothes. Uh -huh. And the singer's still singing. And she's Cash still singing. Still they're still playing, right. and, but they're ending the tune. Oh, man. And, you know, this guy is not going to go out there and tell them to continue. Right, right, right. No, because it's all the song. Yeah, they're in it. So <laughs> I said, no, look, I was, we, no, 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 no. <laughs> I charged out and said, keep going, keep going, keep going. So, of course, I had nothing on but underwear and socks. And I'm, and and the piano player now, his eyes have gotten, like, seriously, you know, Fats Waller. So, 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 and the singer comes back to the bandstand, and I don't have any clothes on. So she missed the whole thing. She didn't know what she, she, she missed was like, the whole what thing. The hell? She uh, she went away and she came back and I had on underwear. Oh my! God. And of course, number of photography Rose going on. Did, right, right. did the audience jump to their feet though and do like? No, a they didn't. I, they might have because I was so excitedly playing. I don't know what they were doing. Wow. I wanted to make sure they wow. knew I still was around. Right, right. You know. You fell out. Right. And of course, the next thing that John says, let's do another tune. Let's look at oh. encore. Now, now we got to, that was supposed to be the last, last tune. tune. So you do an encore it, while you're on your, your underwear. You right. just sit there and play. Did right. she eventually get your clothes to you, though? Yeah, after the concert, 
I did, but I, I said I started to feel comfortable like this. I Why know. bother putting on my clothes now? You know, because you, you know, know how drummers don't really like to wear jackets anyway. You guys right. seem to be free. That is a great story. <laughs> well. Only to you, though. That's, that's the only <laughs> thing that would ever happen to Perone. I don't know if that would happen to anybody else that I know. But well, you. It, m- getting rescued I- I- is a theme in my life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so did you ever work with her again? <laughs> Well, oh yeah, 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 man. They, they, everybody started saying, "Boy, who's gonna do it next? This is gonna be part of our act. Ah, Somebody else has to do it." Of course, I'd never been in the Chicago Herald Tribune before, but uh, the photographer made sure to put one of those pictures in his lot. Oh yeah. Oh, so it was If I went online right now, the producer (laughs) put it on her Facebook page. Can you believe that she put the photo on her? Facebook page. I'm going to go find it. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. So, you know, you guys are listening. You know that um, you can go to Facebook (laughs) and and find out uh, Perone, uh, see a a photograph of Perone sitting in his underwear. That's a great story. That's an excellent story. That's a story that tops off uh, all of it. I, it if, you wanna see, if you want to see, if you want to see, you really want to be frightened. You go find that picture. Yeah, well, well that's that, we're gonna do a visual <laughs> effect this time. You know, the story, and then there'll be a visual on the page. But uh, this has been just incredible. I've enjoyed this so much, and of course, I have to have you come back. Yeah. Uh, so yes. you can think more about some scary stuff. But uh, it has been wonderful, and I really do so appreciate you and yes. you being on the show. Thank you for you doing as this. Well. Yes, you as yes. Well, Thank okay, you. so that wraps it up for us on Tales from the Jazz Side. Ta da! That's it. Tell you. Oh, well, tell us. Tell us. Because this um, is what this is about. This is a show but about. But the people in Chicago in 2012, um, they certainly got a nice experience. Well, I had just come back from Japan, had jet lag, Uh then I flew to Chicago. It was September. So in Chicago, it's still kind of cold. So I was wearing wool pants, wool shirt. Okay. And I thought, well, maybe I'll go eat something and take a nap. Okay. That would have been a good idea. (laughs) Of course, I didn't do that. I turned on a baseball game and I ironed my clothes. <laughs> then the singer said, well, let's go eat earlier. So I get downstairs. She's not there. I'm waiting around. Okay, well. Um, then I said, okay, we just, we're going to miss that. We just go eat with the band. We go eat with the band. The band's going to eat after sound check. Okay, we do the sound check. Uh then the band goes to eat. Then the, the restaurant says, oh, there's too many people. He said, what are you kidding? This is the band. No, we can't. These people are crazy. So we had to go across town to get something to eat and rush the food down, come back, hit the bandstand, boom. Uh-huh. And I didn't change into my nice cotton clothes that I had ironed <laughs> because I was thinking, well, you know, this is. it might be a little cold out there on a the bandstand and, you know. This was outdoors? This is an outdoors no, it's indoors in a big, game. huge, old building in the University of Chicago. Oh, okay. Which I found out, people, it, it is known for being hot, oh. which I didn't know. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm there with my wool, wool clothes. <laughs> oh, and not to mention, the hotel had a pool, a very nice pool. Uh-huh. So I swam a few links. I swam and had a short sauna. 
Okay, and so, then put your wool stuff back. And on. then put my wool stuff back on, <laughs> and then and then go and do all the stuff. And I realize, but I don't realize until it's the last tune. The last tune, my body is saying, you know what? <laughs> you ate that food too fast, and it's all sitting up here. Now you spent, expended all of this energy. You had me working like mad, trying to digest this food, <laughs> and you haven't slept in 22 hours. <laughs> Well, and now, and I said, and I said to myself, well, I feel terrible, but this is the last tune. Right. Right. <laughs> so I counted the tune off. Next thing you know, the saxophone player and the bass player were picking me up off the floor. No. Yes. Really? Yes. What did, what happened? <laughs> what <laughs> happened? <laughs> What do you think happened? You just passed out. I passed out. <laughs> you were so hot. You just passed out. Yeah. Up. Wow. Yeah. So how many so people were in there? There were there was a piano player, there was I mean like in, in the, the audience. audience? Yeah, oh, yeah, it was, it was probably two thousand people <laughs> there. <laughs> part is not the fact that it, I'm sure what they saw was spectacular but right. but when I go back over and I think about it the bass player continued to play <laughs> while picking me up the saxophone player goes puts his horn down runs over to me uh -huh. you know and so the two of them are picking me up and it and they said that I was saying the jet lag got me the jet lag got me <laughs> So, so, uh, so, anyway, I, so they take me backstage. Oh, wow. And the piano player is still playing. Yes, of course. And the yeah, bass player is still playing. <laughs> and then the saxophone player goes and sits on the drums. Oh. Because the singer is out in the audience because it's the last tune. So she's doing the thing of going out and singing to the oh audience because she, she has a cordless mic. She has no idea. She had no idea what was going on on the stage. And so, so, so anyway, the, uh, so I see a stage hand. No, no, the producer comes to me and says, and they lie me down on the floor. And now the air is cool right, down there. Right, right, yeah, it's nice, yeah. Heat so, rises. Yeah, right. So the producer says, do you want me to call an ambulance? I said, no, 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 no. Just get my cotton clothes from the dressing room. So, so she has to go stage left, stage right, uh -huh. downstairs, uh -huh. and then back to stage left to the dressing room. Okay. To get my clothes. Uh -huh. So I'm lying there on the floor and I take off all my clothes. <laughs> I'm getting ready for this change, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> and so I see a stage hand over and I said, Tell him, man, tell him don't stop playing. Tell him to continue. I'm coming back. Right. And he looks at me like, man, are you kidding me? You just, I can't believe, are you, what are you 
you think I'm supposed to do? Go talk to them? And then plus, look at you. You on the floor. Are you what So then the producer comes back with the wrong clothes. <laughs> So she, I'm like, no, no, the ones in the hang-up bag. No, 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 I spent all this time ironing these clothes and put them in a nice hang-up bag. And she comes back with, with some wrong. old raggedy jeans and T-shirt. I'm like, no, no. So she, so she goes, runs off to get the clothes, the right clothes. Uh-huh. And the singer's still singing. And she's Cash still singing. Still they're still playing. Right. And, but they're ending the tune. Oh, man. And, you know, this guy is not going to go out there and tell them to continue. Right, right, right. No, because it's all. It's, it's all yeah, they're ending. So <laughs> I said, no, look, I was, we, no, 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 no. <laughs> what did she do? I charged <laughs> out and said, keep going, keep going, keep going. So, of course, I had nothing on but underwear and socks. And um and and the piano player now his eyes have gotten like seriously you know Fats Waller right, right, right. so so and the singer comes back to the bandstand and I don't have any clothes on so she missed the whole thing she didn't know what she, she, she missed was like, the whole what thing the hell? she she went away and she came back and I had on underwear oh my. And of course, number of photography Rose going on. Did, right, right. did the audience jump to their feet though and do like? No, a they didn't. I, they might have because I was so excitedly playing. I don't know what they were doing. Wow. I wanted to make sure they wow. knew I still was around. Because right, you, know? you fell out, right? And of course, <laughs> the next thing the John says, "Let's do another tune. Let's like you oh. know." Now, now we got to That was supposed to be the last, last tune. tune. So you do an encore. It, While you're on your, your underwear, you right. just sit there and play. Did right. she eventually get your clothes to you, though? <laughs> yeah, after the concert, I did. But I, I said, story. I'm starting to feel comfortable like this. I Why know. bother putting on my clothes now? Because you know, you you know, know. how drummers don't really like to wear jackets anyway. You guys right. need to be free. That is a great story. <laughs> well. Only to you, though. That's, that's the only <laughs> thing that would ever happen to Perone. I don't know if that would happen to anybody else that I know. But well, yeah. Getting rescued is a theme in my life. Yeah, <laughs> so did you ever work with her again? <laughs> well, oh, yeah, 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 man. They, they, everybody started saying, well, who's going to do it next? This is going to be part of our act. Ah, yes, Somebody yes, else has yes, to do yes, it. Of course, be. I'd never been in the Chicago Herald Tribune before. But uh, the photographer made sure to put one of those pictures Did in they? his lot. Oh yeah. Oh, so it was Rick. Can, if I went online right now, I could the producer <laughs> put it on her Facebook page. Can you believe that she put the photo on her Facebook page? I'm gonna go find it. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. So you know, you guys are listening. You know that um, you can go to Facebook <laughs> and, and find out uh, Perone uh, seeing uh, a photograph of Perone sitting in his underwear. That's a great story. That's an yeah. excellent story. That's the a story that tops off uh, all of it. I, it if, you wanna see, if you want to see, if you want to see, you really want to be frightened. You go find that picture. Yeah, well, well that's that, we're gonna do a visual effect this time. You know, the story, and then there'll be a visual on the page. But uh, this has been just incredible. I've enjoyed this so much, and of course, I have to have you come back. Yeah. Uh, so yes. you can think more about some scary stuff, but. Uh, <laughs>
The jazz side is always there, waiting for us to enter and waiting to enter us. So, until next time, unplug your ear holes, for you never know what worlds may be waiting for you.